Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by USA-primed Frederick's Canvas. Supporting artists for 150 years, primed in Atlanta, Georgia, with the widest variety of primed and unprimed cottons and linens on the market. I've been using Frederick's for a long, long time, and it's always been a great canvas to work on in the studio. You can find Frederick's in your local art store or at frederick'sprintcanvas.com. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. Hilary Petchus is a Los Angeles-based artist born in Fullerton, California, who earned a BFA and MFA from the California College of the Arts in San Francisco. Hilary just had a solo show up at Rachel Uffner Gallery in New York and also has forthcoming group shows at Timothy Taylor, Jack Shaman's Kinderhook School, curated by Helen Molesworth, and Halsey McKay in East Hampton. Recent solo exhibitions include the Chris Ballard Museum in St. Augustine, Halsey McKay in East Hampton, The Pit in Los Angeles, and Guerrero Gallery in San Francisco. Her work has been covered in Art Forum, The New Yorker, The Observer, The San Francisco Chronicle, The Financial Times, Juxtapose, Artnet News, and Contemporary Arts Review Los Angeles. I spoke to Hillary from Los Angeles for a talk about adjusting to the shut-in, doing more life drawing, bartending during the day, giving up blow-drying, making collages and paintings, and much more. Here's our conversation. Alrighty. It's wild, right? It's a whole new world. Such a weird world. I honestly, I was thinking like just about our conversation earlier today when I was in my studio, I was thinking about how this conversation was going to go and trying to like get myself kind of, you know, in the right mindset. And I just kept thinking like, how am I going to avoid talking about, you know, COVID-19? And I guess that's just what's happening right now. So everything is relating to that, but yeah, it's a very, it's a different, diff, like, so quickly, it just, everything shifted. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I've talked to a few people since, you know, the lockdown, basically, and um, it's definitely a starting point, but, you know, it it's, we're able to, like, move past or, you know, talk about other things, but it's definitely the thing that is on everyone's minds, of course, <laughs> and, like, I don't do too, well, in the past, I haven't done too many remote um podcasts you know this here and there because i really like to be face to face and there's something nice about being in the studio or a show or something but i mean it's it's not possible so this is the next best thing yeah but yeah it is tough not to talk about it i mean but then again i would imagine that like the podcasts i listen to i really like hearing what people have to say about because everyone's in the same boat, really. Yes, yeah, I feel like, I mean, honestly, if it was just me experiencing this or my immediate family or even the my friends in Los Angeles or even the United States, like, that would be harder for me to, like, grapple with um, because it, it's like the entire world is dealing with it. I feel like 
we're, you know, it's, we're all experiencing it to some level, regardless of like how wealthy you are or anything. So that helps me deal with it a little bit better, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like everyone's isolated, but it's a shared experience at the same time. So (laughs) everyone's going through it at the same time, you know, and together. Totally. (laughs) Very odd. I I actually, in the, uh, in the mornings I go running, um, not every morning, but you know, several mornings out of the week, and I still have my running partner, but she and I are running on separate sides of the street, and we're not the only ones doing that. We see other running teams doing that, um, and it's it's funny we see the same ones all the time, so you know we like wave and um, and stuff. But yeah, it's interesting the way people are figuring out how to be together and have like any tiny bit of like normalcy in their life. Like they yeah. just pick out the, the very few things that they absolutely need to um, like keep going. And so, um, yeah, I feel, I feel lucky I have like a family. Um, so there's at least like a, two other people in my immediate, you know, um, circle that I can uh, have like a, some normal schedule with. But um, yeah. Yeah. It's, we've been doing the, um, the brunch with friends over Zoom. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I've Which, had cocktail hours. <laughs> you know, it's it's better than than no brunch with friends. It's yeah. true. <laughs> but um, it, it's nice to hang out collectively like that because you you know you kind of miss that. And it, it sounds like you have space where you are, right? So you can get out and about without it. I mean, for me in Brooklyn, it's yeah. like it's too it's too packed. I can't just leaving and going downstairs in the building. You know, there you're probably going to end up being around people and. So we've just been in in for weeks. Yeah, um, I I yeah, LA is just is set up. You know, I mean, obviously it's like the urban sprawl, and it's set up so differently than um, than New York. So it's I I feel very comfortable in in like the the risks that we're taking. Like for just for example, I my husband and I we both still go to our studios. Um, we we're like splitting the day up in this way that um, like I go to my I leave for my studio around five thirty in the morning, and I work until eleven thirty in the morning and then I come home and I finish up the, the school day, um, f- with my son. And then that's when my husband goes to his studio. And because like, we're the only ones in our studios, I don't, I don't feel like I'm taking that much of a risk. I think the risk that we are inviting is probably having to get gas in our cars still. Um, but I mean, I, in two weeks I haven't had to even get any gas. So, um, yeah, it's, um, but, and then also like, you know, I still go running on the week uh, or throughout the week and, um, it, you know, it's just, it's such like a neighbor, like a suburban neighborhood that we live in that it's doesn't f- feel like, even if I am going to cross like a dog walker, we just jump off the sidewalks and run in the street because there's no cars. So, um, yeah, it doesn't, I, I don't feel like God, it's so depressing, isn't it? <laughs> you have to like duck and dodge humans. But you know what though? I feel like there's this, uh, it's true. And actually I got stuck on a, on a bridge with where there was somebody that was going to walk by me and, uh, I couldn't jump into the street at that moment. And so I just like turned and put my face into the fence of the, of the bridge so that like nobody would breathe on, you know, no, no breath would be exchanged. And the guy that walked, by, I was like, thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> it was just like, um, but I do feel like there's this camaraderie right now with, um, that I think it's probably going to get old after a while, but, um, you know, we're all, we all are, are, are experiencing this. And I, I feel like also with, especially, um, you know, the people that are willing to still make our lives com- comfortable, like, you know, delivery services and the mail and, 
all of that, like, you know, I think that there's a new respect for those people or like at least a gratefulness for their, um, for their, like what, what they're doing for everyone else. So definitely. Well, have you, so how, how long have you been in LA? You're not from LA, are you? Um, originally I was born in Southern California, but I, um, I grew up in, in Northern California in Redding. Um, it's like about three hours from, well, no, no, it's about two hours from the, uh, Oregon border, I guess, but it's three hours North of Sacramento. So there's not a whole lot up there. Um, and then I, um, like as an adult, I, I, I found myself like in Sacramento and San Francisco. Um, and, uh, yeah. and I, I, we moved down here to LA about six years ago, a little more than six years ago. Right. And I, I was just talking to a friend. I thought we were saying, well, if we were out in LA and we had a house with a pool, this wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> we don't have a pool, unfortunately. Um, and uh, like all the pools are shut down here. Uh, my son is a swimmer. And um, he, so like that's part of his routine that's been really disrupted. Um, and they're like in L.A. there. I mean, if you can stay really easily in your, you know, on your property, but all of the trails have been closed down and parks, um, beach, all the beaches have been closed down. Um, and so, the, I mean, you're, it's, it gets old, like, you know, basically we have some outdoor space that you might not have, but it, we're still like stuck on our, on our property. Yeah. I guess it's more of a, well, it's outdoors and then also the space thing. Yes. So we have a, um, I actually, um, we have a, a home studio set up um, even though we have our, our external, like, you know, studios elsewhere. Um, but we have a home studio set up that, um, I used for, um, six years actually. So I only recently moved into my new building. Um, but for six years I was in this home studio that's about like nine by 11 feet. It's really tiny, but, um, I've made like, I, I mean, there would be like 50 artworks in there that I was working on at a time. Uh, I would just file them and, you know, and, and pull them out as I was working on them. So I was, so anyway, my husband and I are using this, this space also, um, like if we can like cram in any extra time, um, because like we're both being flexible about like everything because we have to, but we are, don't want to get too, um, like behind and, in, in uh, like, you know, prior obligations and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That, so the, the, the spatial thing is like, is real. Um, even like our house is on the very small side for an LA house. Um, cause we had moved here from San Francisco and just didn't consider that, you know, you like what you could get for your money here. And we, um, we just bought this like really like a, our house is um, under 800 square feet. So for, I mean, I think for everywhere that's small, but in LA it's particularly small. Um, but, um, yeah, regardless, we do have this like little studio space. That's really, um, has, I think, saved us on many occasions. Yeah, it's, it sounds great. I mean, that's, I think a lot of people who are staying home are just making do, making a little bit of studio space where they're living. And that's probably, you know, 200 square foot usually or something, you know, yeah. like a very small <laughs> space that they're working in. Unless, yeah, I don't know many people who moved or, or staying at home and working on like giant paintings. <laughs> maybe yeah. just my friends aren't that rich, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, making some smaller work is a solution at this time. Yeah, you know, and um, a lot of my friends have been working outside of their like 
you know, the, the normal work that they make, um, doing a lot more drawing. Um, you know, we all have like our, the way like we stylistic, like even like as a representational artist, um, you know, stylistically, I have a way that I do things. I don't necessarily, I never draw from life. It's not, it, I don't feel like I need to. Um, it doesn't, um, it's just not something that I've been interested in in the last, you know, 15 years. And, um, but a lot of my friends and myself included have been doing more life drawing because it's like we have that time and it's a good exercise and just looking and, um, and, and, you know, honing some of our like skills that we may or may not use in the future, but, you know, we have got some time. So, um, can definitely, while I'm sitting with my son, having to be a homeschool teacher for the first time, I can, you know, do some, you know, nice little flower renderings from my bouquet that someone from Whole Foods delivered to me. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, I think so. There's, so you're, there's like, you're teaching. Yeah. I mean, everybody, and I think in New York too, but, um, uh, everybody in LA, there's, I think, I believe 750,000 students enrolled in LA Unified and, um, they are all, um, on a homeschool program right now. So a lot of it is, um, uh, computer-based, but a, a lot of it's just, you know, um, you know, the instructions are sent from the teacher. And so the parents have to, like, my son doesn't read very well. Um, and he's in the first grade. So I have to explain everything to him and, and you know, set, set it up for him and really hover yeah. over him just to make sure he's getting it done. So Right. Yeah, I guess that I guess that age really affects it, too. My um, my son is in um, seventh grade and he's everything is Zoom like they're they're having normal classes. They're just zooming in together. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. OK. That sounds like, you know, typical college type, you know, online courses, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> it's a <laughs> well, um, real quick. How did you, uh, well, not quick, I guess slow. We could take it slow. But, um, when you, where did, like, what was the situation when you were growing up? Were you drawing, doing like little life drawings as a child, or were you always artistic growing up? Yes. Um, there was a show on PBS in the 80s, like mid 80s, that it was called, um, Secret City with Commander Mark. That was one of them. And Commander Mark had several shows. And I think the one I watched was Secret City, like through a Google search. And I forget what his name is. It's Mark something. Um, but um, he taught kids how to draw in like 3D. And um, you could, it was like um, comics and space things and, you know, just giving depth and perspective. Um, and you could um, um, you could have your parents send in your drawings that you made from his uh, from his instruction and they would, you know, post it on, t- on PBS. And, um, my brother and sister and I all did it. And like, I think we all like, I think we all thought we were artists and we just like, my mom always had, my mom is not an artist, but she's like creative. And she always had like materials out for us. And, um, for Christmas, she's not like really big in on Christmas. And, uh, but she'd always give us a like a big container full of like supplies. And that was like something that we always got for Christmas. And, um, so like, I don't know, she just encouraged us a lot and we all thought we were artists. So I never thought I wasn't an artist. (laughs) And even like when, whatever I was making totally sucked. It just, I, I, I thought, you know, that I, like, I just didn't feel like I had to justify it until I was an adult, you know? Um, Yeah. yeah. So did you, uh, did you play any music growing up? No, my, my brother did. Um, and, uh, um, I, I, I should back up. I did play the handbells, 
one in, in a church choir. Um, that counts. Yeah, that's it, though. <laughs> <laughs> but music was in the house your brother played yeah my my brother's only a year and a half younger than me and um he was like in punk bands um and so yeah he played like bass and guitar he played baritone I don't remember he played like he played in the marching band so it was kind of whatever like brass you know he could play um yeah yeah, yeah. so but yeah he also played bass and guitar and and stuff so when you say when you say baritone, you mean saxophone, right? No, it's it looks like a tuba, but it's it's a is that what it's called? It looks like a tuba. I think it's called a baritone. Oh, a sousaphone. I don't know. I'll have to do a Google search. It looks like a mini tuba, like it 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 rides like a trombone, like sideways, I think. And anyway, I don't know. I wonder if I could Google this on the computer. Probably not. Um, anyway, it's a... I think I know what you're talking about. It's like a mini tuba. Yeah, yeah, like a mini tuba. Um, so, anyway. But yeah, the, I think, you know, we listened, we were into punk music, and, um, and my brother played in, like, punk and ska bands, and Reading is a, like, a weird, um, city on the map, because it's, it's on the I-5 freeway, um, going, mm-hmm. uh, like, up into Oregon, so a lot of bands would stop there, um, on their way up to, like, Portland and stuff, or Eugene, so we got some, um, you know, like a lot of shitty punk bands coming through and, um, in the nineties and it was really fun. It was just like, my mom would oftentimes go and take tickets at the door or sell tickets at the door. And, um, so it was much, very much a family affair. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so when you were in high school, was art class your thing or, and did you feel like, oh, this is something I want to take to the next level? Did you know at that point? I did. I was in, um, like advanced placement art, um, and I, yeah. I was like a really bratty kid though. Um, I shouldn't say that. I guess I was like, I was polite, but I just like, didn't want to try. And even like, I got myself in some trouble, um, as a teenager and I had to go to juvenile hall and like my, um, AP art teacher who was really lovely would like, he wrote, he wrote letters to like encourage me to keep up my art practice. They weren't like, they were like these, the nicest letters and they were written on like tie dyed paper and, um, <laughs> he was just a really nice guy. And anyway, I was like, I was kind of a brat, bratty teenager, but well, you were into punk. You were like, (laughs) yeah, that's true. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I did. I, the AP, yeah, AP art. It was, it was fun. It was cool. Right. Did your teacher sort of help guide you into, you know, what schools you were thinking about doing and what you were going to do next? No, um, no, not so much. Um, I, I did go to an art school out of high school um, that was um, like a really crummy uh, um, like art school that I think it catered to like graphic design and fashion design and it doesn't even exist anymore. Um, I went there for like three or four months and just realized that it wasn't very good and so um, and that was in Southern California. Um, so then I, I left and I, I moved up to Sacramento and I lived there for some time. And I think that's actually where I started to get a sense of like contemporary art. Um, so this would have been like in the late, late nineties. Um, and, um, I, um, was, you know, Sacramento is a pretty small town, even for being the capital of California. And, um, there definitely is not like an art, there's no like contemporary art scene there. Um, really, um, it's like very kind of like DIY still, um, like scene and, 
um, the closest like big city would be San Francisco. Um, so eventually I moved to San Francisco and there are contemporary art galleries there. There's a, like a handful of good ones and there's some art fairs there and, you know, there's like, you know, good, some good museums. Um, and, um, so I, yeah, probably like the late nineties is when I really started to understand, um, or like get an idea of like what, what contemporary art was like more than just like, you know, painting and, um, and sculpture and, I remember at that time, though, having this idea that I was like, I want to be like, I want to make, I want to make um, representational work and abstract work. And I'll just like sell them to different people. And it was just like um, this idea that like abstract work was like this one high art and like representation was like, um, you know, this like other kind of wonky thing that was like really that had to be lowbrow. I didn't get like that there. It just it was such a mystery to me at that time. So and mind you, this is like 22 years ago. So. So, um, but you went to CalArts, right? Um, I went to um, California College of the Arts, which used to be California College of the Arts and Crafts. Um, and that's in San Francisco. Like the C, wait, C-A-C-C? Um, C-C-A-C, and then they took C-C-A-C. off the last C. <laughs> but you did undergrad and grad there. I did, yeah. Um, I went there, uh, I had gone to junior college for about, I think like five years, um, taking just art classes and, you know, um, not really knowing where I was going, what I was doing. Um, and, um, I eventually went to, um, CCA, um, and I graduated in 2006. Then I moved in New York for about a year and, um, or a little less than a year. And I, I really like, I mean, to me, I had been going to New York a lot cause my brother was living there at the time. And I, I knew that like, I mean, I feel like I was going there every like three months because the flights were so cheap at that time. Like JetBlue was the was the jam, and um, yeah, yeah and um, so I, I knew like I was very aware of like what was going on in New York, um, but I didn't know I didn't know how I could like fit in there. So I I moved there to live with my brother for a while, and um, I was also planning on I was applying to grad school at that time, and um, I I applied to a few schools in New York. I applied to like one in Massachusetts. And then I applied to um, CCA um, because, you know, just because I was so comfortable there. And um, of the schools I got into, like, the, the, I got into one in Massachusetts. And I, had, I went to Massachusetts to, like, check it out. And I'm, I'm, I've lived in California my whole life. And it was during a blizzard and it was so cold. And I was like, fuck this place. This is too cold. <laughs> so <laughs> I went back decision. to California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that, weather, that weather's tough. <laughs> Yeah, I I just hadn't quite like this was also mind you I'd only been living in New York for about three months I think I went there in January and I had moved there in November, so um, yeah I, it it was cold, um, so yeah I, that's a rough stretch as far as weather's concerned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the other thing like and I had this idea like this very romantic idea that I would move to New York and start making like this like really profound work and I was happy with the work I was making when I, uh, when I graduated with my BFA, but, um, it, it, I had, like, I just, for some reason I thought that I would move to New York and like everything would just click and shift and, and I was going to be like this, like very, very successful somehow, uh, right. You know, as soon as I got there and the reality was I was like working at a crummy restaurant, um, or I was like bartending at a crummy restaurant as a day bartender. So I only really got like the hard alcoholics, which is such a bummer. And, um, yeah. I, um, I like 
wasn't making very much work because I was so tired by the time I got home at night. And, um, and like nothing profound had really clicked. So it just when I, I got into back into CCA, I, I was you know happy to get the hell out of there and go back to um, California. But um, I had always intended on moving back to New York. Um, like I, it was such, I think I was there November through August. So whatever, like 10 months. Um, it was, I, it was like an amazing time when I lived there and I um, made a lot of friends that I still have. And I, you know, obviously I go back quite a bit. Um, and, but I was never, I just never moved back. It's just, it's too easy to just visit. (laughs) What, yeah. What was your work like at that point in school? Um, I was making collage work. Um, it was, I mean, I, I, it, it had like a very kind of maximal approach, like similar to, um, what I'm making now. And there were oftentimes were like a lot of, um, it was like busy, very busy work with, you know, heavy patterns and stuff, but it doesn't, and, and many of them were landscapes, um, but, and, and many of my works are now are landscapes, but um, it, it, if you saw it, you, I don't think you would recognize it as mine, although a quick Google search would show you what it looks like, but it's, um, yeah, unfortunately, it just won't disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it's out once it's on the internet. Um, it's, I always feel like what it must be like because I, I don't think it was until after I got out of grad school that like the internet was happening, happening and what it must be like as a student for all that work to be out there. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, most of the work that I made, um, up and I mean, I feel like that my grad years were actually the ones that got stuck on the internet and that was the same body of work. So um, but yeah, it's, um, it, that it's, it hasn't gone away. <laughs> I don't know if it ever well, think will. about our kids, our kids, it's all going to be on there. <laughs> I know from birth, <laughs> there's going to be, you can see the whole trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just uh, comforting that there's so much stuff out there that no one's really going to sift through. <laughs> I, I'd like to think Maybe. that. <laughs> It gets lost in the uh, the deluge, you know. Those collage works were they? What kind of paper were you using? Fabric or paper or a combination of materials? Yeah, I was using um, paper and um, ink and um, magazine scraps and like dyed paper and um, there was spray paint on them and sometimes glitter and I I don't know. It was just like they were. Um, and then I was also making, um, digital collages. Like I got, I think like at some point in the, you know, like early aughts, there was this like, um, like all this new photography happening, which was really cool. Um, and I, it was, you know, I, I was, it was really exciting to look at and, um, and I felt like as far as like making collage, it was just like an extension, like another way to make collage. And so I was making, um, digital collages as well. Um, and sometimes I would cut those up and then, um, and re and use those as like a paper collage. So there was this, you know, back and forth, but, um, I, and I, I, I really enjoyed it when I was making that work. Um, but I felt like I was always fighting for like, I mean, honestly, it was like, um, I enjoyed the, the making of it and I was always fighting to try and like have this like really conceptual, edge to it. Um, um, and you know, I was using that to write my master's thesis. So, um, and it just wasn't, it felt really contrived. Um, so when like at some point, I think I was moving to LA and I'd also been painting at the same time. Like I was making these paintings, 
um, just to keep them like something in my back pocket in case I didn't want to make collages anymore. Um, and um, around the time we were moving to LA, I was very exhausted. I we had just had a baby, um, and um, you know everything was like turning upside down. And I, my, I was losing my studio and going to be moving into this home studio, which um, seemed like a you know a big um, like step back for me. Um, and so I just halted for a moment and um, thought, well, I'm just going to make these like. I'm just going to work on some paintings until I figure out what my next move is. And so it wasn't meant to be like, w like what I was do, what I was like going to continue doing. It was just like that fear of stopping. Um, and like the fear of like not making, cause I didn't want to be that statistic that they talk about in grad school. Like, you know, only 5% of you will go on making work. And, um, so I just was like, well, I'll just keep making these silly paintings. And, um, they, um, what happened was they, uh, I think probably like that, just the new landscape here, the, it like, I felt so liberated. There was, I could paint anything I wanted to. And I, um, I didn't, you know, I, I actually, and I was getting farther and farther out of grad school. I didn't feel the need to, um, like prove myself anymore. Um, and I also felt like, if I am only going to ever be a Sunday painter, I'm really okay with that because I'm liking what I'm doing. And if nobody likes it, nobody else likes it, that's okay. Like, I'll just file it away. And a lot of the work was on paper, so it wasn't taking up much space. And, um, um, and I think, like, letting go of any, like, ego or ideas of who I had to be um, is when it was just, like, I, is when the work actually started to... Um, be like more authentic and, um, and I mean, I, it, I haven't, you know, that's, it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it, it, it's, it works like suited me much better than what the work I was making before. Yeah. It kind of adds to that adage of, um, you know, if your heart's really in what you're doing and it's really coming from you and you're interested in it and you're engaged in it, that the viewer will read that and feel that, you know what I mean? And the moment you start trying to make things for other reasons and, you know, to try to do this or try to do that, it can be kind of, I don't know, there's something about insincerity or, you know, forced um, artwork making that just might not connect with people. And it, or it does in a different way, I guess. So, well, when did you, um, when did you kind of make that transition? I mean, do you, are you still making collages or when did you make that full on transition to painting? Before I left San Francisco, um, I had stopped making collages. So, um, and yeah, so it's been since then, but, um, and really like as identifying as like only a painter, it's only really been within the last six years. Although there's plenty of paintings that I made long before that, you know, when I was still in school, um, because yeah, it was, I, I, I guess I had always just, um, thought that it would, you know, like if nothing, if like, if there's nothing else, like it's good to practice anyway. So just like looking and, um, yeah, so I have some, some sweet little gems from, from a while back, <laughs> but <laughs> now did you, did you just feel like you've closed a chapter on works on paper or do you feel like you might get back into that? I make work on paper still. Um, I, I just don't make collage work. And I, I, I'm ha like, I mean, that might be, I think, a fun, another fun like exercise or 
so I like to make work when I'm traveling um, to um, and oftentimes that work is different from you know the work I'm typically making so um, I could see making collages then but I I, I just don't I guess it I it feels more open to just make paintings or drawings than um, than the, than adding glue and paper. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I took such a long break from making collages because I went years making them. You know, they were my drawings, so to speak, and um, and it took such a toll on my hands from using the Exacto blade. Totally, and doing all that detailed work. Like yeah. my hands just hurt all the time now. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like it's really affected it, and I think that was just years of doing them all the time. And um, so I took a break and I would only do collages once in a blue moon for like some specific thing, you know, like if there was a reason. And then uh, just recently with this whole thing, I started making collages again. It's been really nice. Yeah, I think that there's this. Um, I mean, I, I there must be like some you know good essays on it, but this reverting to something that's old and comfortable um, when during in times of uncertainty. And I can, I've noticed it a lot with my son who he seems to have regressed into, um, you know, finding comfort in some of his old toys, um, or movies, um, that he watched like, you know, several years ago. Um, and you know, just like, and I, I can, I, I also like when I think about the artists that I'm looking at right now, it's like, I'm going back to like the old favorites, you know, like I like looking at it in like Matisse books or something. And just like, you know, we, they're, they're like old friends and, um, you know, or watching like, you know, kind of like comforting, like feel good shows, like that kind of stuff. I don't actually, um, want to feel all that challenged right now because I feel like there's already enough conflict going on or like noise, you know, in my head that I just looking for those. And I, I could imagine like even, you know, going back to like making some like collages, how that could be like comforting and, um, you know, just, you know like of a of a a time that you know going back to a time that was like still you know sweet and 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 not uh no no pandemic (laughs) yeah there's like that familiarity and comfort with it which feels good especially in a time when you know this is kind of unfamiliar territory so i think that familiarity really feels right or it's it can maybe open the door faster to be creative or to explore and do the things that you're doing um, it's funny because a couple of people have been recommend, you know, in times like this, I feel like, well, actually just these days, people are always recommending things, whether it's Netflix or, you know, things you got to check out and some recommendations for like really depressing movies or TV shows that are just kind of like a downer. I, I can't do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing too Not heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe some other time. <laughs> you just put it on your list. <laughs> Some people just pile it on, you know, they're like, all right, let's go all out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not right. Not, I mean, Netflix does has, they, I think they just released uh, the new uh, Ozarks show, which is really good. Um, so we've been, I, we've been doing that one, but for the most part, it's, we're, we're keeping it pretty light over here. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the people who enjoy watching like Independence Day when they're flying on an airplane or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I don't get it. It's, yeah. it's too oh. close. You know? <laughs> yeah, they um, actually, um, I know on Netflix they have um, Outbreak, you know, that 90s movie. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was like a Robin Cook book. Um, and uh, I think Pandemic is the name of the other one. Anyway, there's like two of these movies out there. I was like, why in the hell would anybody 
want to watch these right now. Like, this is awful. It's good. It's like just, you know, showing the worst case scenario. But yeah. Um, yeah. But they're getting great ratings. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't know. Maybe there's some I think a lot of people feel uh, comfort in the simulacra, you know, like that, that, that it's not real in that case, you know, but I, I can't. So, um, why don't we try to move towards kind of like what you've been working on? I mean, you just had a show with Rachel. Um, did you, is it, was it the whole run of it go or did it stop short? Um, it was actually open for two weeks or just short of two weeks, I think. Um, um, so it was supposed to be open from March 1st through April 26th. Um, but um, I, I'm not sure if that, I mean, I'm guessing that that's, it's, the gallery will remain closed until, you know, the end of May. Um, I mean, I, I, in California, they've announced that schools will be closed through the end of the year. So I'm guessing New York is kind of on the same schedule um, with, you know, built businesses and schools and everything. Um, but I, I feel really lucky. I mean, I, it, I, it's a bummer of course, to not like have the show up for like the duration that you had anticipated that said, like, I mean, two weeks right now seems like an infinity compared to, I mean, the fact like so many people were supposed to open shows that never opened. So I, on a, I don't feel like I have any space to complain or feel bad for myself. And it wasn't like my first New York show. And I think that would have been harder also, um, if, you know, I, I had, if I was like, you know, in, being introduced for the first time, you know, uh, to like a New York audience. I'm happy that it was up for, for the two weeks, you know, and that, yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> and people were able to see it, right. And respond to it. That's kind of all you, it's kind of all you really want, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and I know like right now, a lot of galleries are doing these online viewing rooms and, um, I, I heard some, you know, criticism of, of that from a friend, but I honestly, like, I feel like what a great opportunity for a gallery to take a chance on an artist that they may otherwise not. There's like no investment. Um, they can show someone without having to ship the work. They can, and it's like maybe then introducing that, that artist to like their wider audience. And, um, you know, I, I like, I, 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 w- I wouldn't, I don't necessarily like I would of course love prefer to be showed in, in a gallery rather than like in an online viewing room. But if, if, if I didn't, if I had the option of online viewing room or nothing, I would certainly go with an online reviewing room. And, um, and I, I think that there, you know, there may be a silver lining to some of this for those artists that um, then those, you know, the, if, if it's a good response, the gallerist may choose to show them in their proper gallery when this is all over. Um, so, Yeah. I mean, everybody, I know that my online, my, um, like screen time has almost doubled in the last like three weeks, um, the, since before this, cause, cause it notifies me and I'm, I'm guessing that I'm not the only one that's who's online t- or screen time has gone up. Sure. Every single human who's connected in some way or another is spending a little more time with it. You know, I wonder about all those artists who kind of have a big online following and, Maybe they don't necessarily sell the work out of the studio, but, you know, they have a lot of their action coming from, you know, people seeing their work online and all these other people, like the purists who kind of make fun of them or say like, oh, well, they just have like, they're an Instagram artist or they just have like an online presence. But that's probably helping them now. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've probably um, made those snarky remarks too. Um, but um, it's not fair for one. And I mean, because somebody's, I mean, you know, maybe there's a, like a, a tad bit of like jealousy in there, even though I don't think I want what they have. But, you know, um, yeah. Um, I, I think this is an interesting time. And it's definitely, I know there was other, there was like other galleries. I used, I worked at a gallery actually for five years here in LA, like a blue chip gallery. And they recently had started an online viewing room. Um, and, um, and other, you know, galleries had had online viewing rooms already. And, but I do think this might like kind of change the way that gallerists are thinking about the gallery as like a structure and like as a, um, an idea, a concept. Um, and, you know, just, um, I think this, the, this whole thing is so much is going to shift from it. I mean, there art fairs have got to be cut back. Like there's too many art fairs. Um, you know, I, 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 it's it's like um, we probably could handle ten art fairs in the you know in the world and there's you know like got to be a hundred. It might just be the natural like it felt like art fairs were it was like a a snowball going down a hill just growing and growing and nothing was going to stop it and it was just going to keep getting bigger and more fractured and take more time from gal you know what I mean and it it seems like this might have just been the thing that finally calms it down a little bit and galleries can kind of stick to like home base and doing what they're doing. I don't know. And then maybe those fairs become sort of online fairs that way. Cause basically aren't they doing that really? I mean, it's a lot of the people who are buying network are coming from other places or phoning it in or whatever. And then it's just the couple of days where people are walking around afterwards and the dealers don't really care as much. You know what I mean? It just seems like they could do that business online and then really focus on the show, the physical shows, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm older. So I have this kind of like, um, LP versus Spotify where I like a record. I like an album. I like a show. I don't think we're the, I think we're probably about the same age. I, I mean, and I can definitely relate. I also like convenience though. <laughs> um, if I can like buy something online versus having to like go actually into the store and then like, I don't know, 40% of the time it's not what I wanted, but I'm also like, eh, I'm too lazy to like, <laughs> to return it you know um so i i do like the convenience right. of like spotify i also um i i know it's it's not good for artists i'm trying to get like to break my addiction to spotify but um with art fairs the um i even like the gallery i worked i had worked at i, I was a registrar there and um i um i didn't handle the logistics to and from the to the fair um i handled only post sales um, logistics. Um, so like shipping and stuff to the people who bought them. And I could say that at that gallery, um, oftentimes a majority of the show was, or the majority of the presentation was sold before it ever left Los Angeles or wherever the, you know, the point of origin was. So, um, yeah, I don't, and it was sold, you know, with a, off the um, PDF. So I, I, I agree. I, I'm not sure that it always needs to be, um, you know, take place like the way that they do and they, or they just don't need to have as many of them. Um, it's, I mean, think about it like the global impact environmentally. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, incredible, like so much waste, so much travel, so expensive for the galleries. Um, even like for a big gallery, you know, they're, I don't even know what the budget is, looks like for that because I was never privy to that type of information, but, um, it, you know, it's, you know, you're figure you're figuring like the booths are at least $50,000 plus all the shipping there. 
plus all the accommodations and um, for all the salespeople and everything and um, press, you know, and all of that. So, um, yeah, it has to like, I think like one thing that it's something that I think is really going to change is I was not familiar with Zoom until this um, until this pandemic. I realized that I'm a little bit late to the Zoom game, but um, I think that a lot of businesses are going to realize that they don't need their employees to work five days a week in the office. Totally. And they can, totally. a lot of this. Can... I feel the same way. <laughs> a lot I of mean, this... I teach in Pennsylvania, so, you know, we're, we're teaching online and we're, or not online, we're teaching remotely and it's, there's a lot of things that I think you could do remotely. I mean, obviously there's, when you're doing crits and stuff, you want to be there, but there's a lot of, you can save a lot of the carbon footprint of like what people are doing. Like people are just flying all over for no reason. And just, I don't know, like, I think this is the way the world is just trying to like calm that down. Like earth is saying like, chill out. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. This, um, the, uh, the, the sky in Los Angeles, it has been so beautiful for the last three weeks. There's just, there's nobody on the roads. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you saw the uh, the pollution thing in Wuhan, right? Like how the, the <laughs> yeah. pollution map in China just like totally died down. It's like, it's, that's like, well, it's great, but it's depressing that it took this for that to happen. I mean, yeah, great. We can fly. We don't have to fly for everything, for every reason all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I know people were like, oh, well, I got to f- make one more trip this year so I can get my miles or whatever, you know, I can get my status and you know, just yeah. like flying to just get points yeah yeah no my, i know my my brother uh, works in fashion and he um he is constantly in an airplane and um yeah just flying everywhere and you know i think in fashion and in entertainment the um the carbon footprint is astronomical because there's so much waste um on all of those sets there's you know those the craft services and everything is just like crazy and um just it's a lot of excess, and I think that that's what everybody is realizing is like how much excess in there is in their life. And um, I've made this analogy before, and I think it's like kind of like funny. But when I had my son, I realized like what things can I cut out so that I can continue to do the things that I want to do. And I have curly hair, and I used to blow dry it all the time, and it took me a good like thirty minutes. So I was like, I am not blow drying my hair anymore. Like I want to, I'm going to save that thirty minutes for something that I really care about. And um, I think I had been blow drying my hair like 30 years of my life at that point. And it's such like a waste. You just add that up and it's so silly. And I think that this kind of, this is, um, this pausing um, is like this kind of equalizer. It's like helping us get back to like the very core of what we, what, what are our values? Um, and what, what's like the most, what's important to us? Do we need another, like another, you know, shopping spree? I don't think so. And, um, you know, the, um, like, you know, people are, are figuring out, like, that, like, I know that we've gone through, like, a lot more things in our house that, you know, for, like, food getting kind of creative because um, uh, we're having a hard time at the grocery store like everybody else. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting. There's, like, you know, s- spices that I don't think I've used, like, that, you know, we got for Christmas this last year and we hadn't really touched them. So um, just figuring out the things that we need and what we don't and, um, and um yeah, I think that that's going to hopefully, you know, I think they say like it's 21 days to break like an addiction or break a habit or something. And, um, you know, we'll, we're definitely like breaking some of those. Hopefully we'll be able to break some of those addictions to 
um, our cars or our like shopping habits or, you know, any of that stuff. I feel the same way about all this. I feel like we're really kind of lockstep in a lot of our thinking of the reaction of this thing. And the one thing that's really nice is that in relation to all that, the one thing that doesn't change, I think, for, for artists and for us is like going to the studio and doing what you do. Like that doesn't really change. I mean, that love for doing it, you know, that's what really feels good about it. It's like the what you because I think a lot of time in times like this, a lot of people feel like, well, how can I make art? Or I have, I have students who will say, like, it's really difficult right now to think about art because all this stuff is going on. But it's just that being compelled to make it, it's kind of such a pure feeling and, and a drive to be creative that it, it's almost like it must be right, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, the it feels right to do it, you know? I, I do, I feel sympathetic to anybody who's having that experience right now um, because I, I do feel um, distracted myself. Um, like, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm, if I'm like, if I'm looking at it as like a production level, like, you know, pure capitalist, like production level, I'm working at like 30% right now of what I normally do. And it's because I'm having a hard time getting into flow, but I am designating that to those studio hours. So I still, I usually arrive at my studio around six in the morning and, um, and I'm trying to, it, if nothing else, like just keep like looking and, um, and making and sometimes that just means like filling in space that I know needs to be filled in um which sounds probably horrific to some people but I when I um if I don't know what to do at least I can be like productive that way and sometimes just the act of of like moving my arm it's like that muscle memory it's just like oh yeah that this is what we're doing right now we're gonna get into this and it it um so I think like forcing you know myself to just to get down in the studio it's the same as after I had my kid and I didn't know what to make as far as art it's like okay I'm just going to make these paintings and and just keep moving ahead um so yeah I but I do feel I feel very sympathetic to anybody that doesn't feel like they can make anything it's real right yeah I think it's a natural reaction you know but then at the end of the day you're like well I'm gonna gotta keep doing you know you just feel compelled to like well, I still want to make things, you know, as hard as that might be. Um, well, and I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the paintings themselves. I mean, how do you like the imagery for them? Where are you getting the images and then how are you making them? I mean, they're really great. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, um, I make like two, two like genres of paintings. So it's either still life, um, slash interiors or, and then I also make, um, landscapes and, um, I work from photographs. Um, I work from photographs off my phone, which just seems like on so many levels, so wrong. I think, uh, for, for, I remember in, in school, like all of the, you know, hearing yeah, don't work from a photo. And then I don't know who ever said not to work from your phone, but that just seems like an extension of wrong. Um, but yeah, I usually work off my phone and, um, I, uh, which may be why most of my paintings are um, uh, like portrait uh, orientation. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah. Um, but um, I, I usually just, you know, I snap pictures and I kind of just tag the ones on my phone that I think I might want to make a painting from later on. And, um, and then, um, you know, I just, from time to time I'll cruise through them and see if anything like jumps out at me. And oftentimes it takes like a year or two um, but uh, most of them are like either from my home or my friend's home or places I've stayed, um, like on vacations. I tend to um, get like 
like drive a lot of um, inspiration from just um, like even local travels or, you know, domestic travels. And um, um, I take pictures also when I'm on runs, on like the trail runs or, you know, whatever. Um, and um, I think I got lost. I lost track of what the whole question was. <laughs> Oh, just how, like... Oh, how? What the ideas behind them, how, like, you know... Yeah. What your process is. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, then I, I typically, um, I just kind of sketch out, like, where, like, the basic composition. And um, um, I wish I was in my studio right now so I could show you, because I'm working on a piece right now that has just been sketched out, and I just kind of color block um, where different things are so um and then from there i kind of just noodle away in those different areas so sometimes there seems to be like i mean there's obviously there's oftentimes like a wonkiness to the perspective or um things like um an item or something in there appears to like be more or less like plopped onto a surface not actually part of and it's because i'm usually working on one little thing at a time within the painting um and um yeah, um, and that's that would go for with the, the still lifes and um, like interiors. Um, with landscapes, I take a different approach because anytime there's something that's like abstract to me and I don't know how to make sense of it, um, I um, I tend to make like a, a sketch or um, I will make like a drawing to kind of just like simplify that situation and then I'll work off the sketch. Um, so like ice in a drink, I, I can never, I don't know how to like render that at all. So those tend to be like abstract areas. Um, and in landscapes, that's um, very true. Um, in painting, um, you know, like trees and things, I, I just um, like make a quick uh, drawing and uh, figure out like an abstract way to depict that. And so um, landscapes end up being the most fun for me to paint. Um, and sometimes I'll put a landscape painting that I made inside of a, of like a still life painting. Um, uh, because I love, um, the, like the, I love the freedom to get really loose and try out like different marks that aren't maybe necessarily my own, um, within my own like mark making vocabulary. And I do that also with, um, like painting other people's paintings. Like I love to paint, um, um, other people's paintings inside my paintings um, for that same reason it's like a learning a new way to make marks that is like like where I can kind of be like a tourist and try out new things but also kind of staying within my own vocabulary right it's it's totally like uh cover songs yeah totally <laughs> I never thought of it that way <laughs> they give you an excuse to like do a solo that you wouldn't normally do or you know sing lyrics that might not be your normal thing yeah. You know, I was actually talking to a friend not too long ago who um, she was saying, she was like, oh, you know, like the, within like the history of being an assistant, like you might just like work on, you know, like uh, drawing, like painting fabric or something for like your master Renaissance painter um, or, you know, but like you w in doing so, like you have like mastered those things, like you've like learned how to make someone else's painting. And that can only like, I think that can only help inform your own um yeah. Definitely. Well, what what do you have on in the studio? Do you listen to music? Do you listen to interviews, radio? or? Um, I listen to mostly audiobooks and podcasts. Um, nice. Yeah, I do listen to music sometimes 
and sometimes I listen to nothing. It really depends on, um, like what, if I'm trying to work through something that's confusing to me, I really need silence. I don't want any competition with like what's going on in my head. Um, if I'm, if I have like, usually that it's like a, a very a small percentage of the, of the, um, what, what's happening when I'm making a painting. And so after I've like nailed that all down, I'll listen to music or, um, or like a, a podcast or, or audiobook. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you still into punk? Not so much. <laughs> I think probably, <laughs> I think that probably, I mean, I can li- like, we'll listen to it nostalgically, but um, I really don't like, I think probably since like the early aughts, I don't think I've listened to like a whole lot of punk. Um, I will, I like it if I'm like running or if I were going to be go exercising, that sounds wonderful. Cause I want to get like pumped up and, you know, energy, some energy, but usually in my studio, it's like, kind of a lot like more mellow um yeah more mellow music um like Enya or Kenny G <laughs> maybe not that mellow <laughs> um, I love the idea of someone who grew up on Fugazi and then now listens to Kenny yeah. G in the studio yeah I actually I saw Fugazi when I was uh like 15 or 16 it was way past like the Fugazi, Fugazi um like heyday this was probably like right. 94 95 but um yeah, it was a it was a a very memorable show. Yeah, they put on a good live show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so you're. I mean, obviously, people can't see your work at the moment, but they can go to um, websites, right? Is that the best? I mean, and you do social media. So, what's the best way for people to keep up with what you're doing? I imagine they can see the whole show on Rachel's site, right? Yes. Yeah, and I honestly, um. I don't think that viewing my work uh, online is a bad way to see it. I think the only thing to, though, I make work that's both big and small, and um, like large scale and small scale, and and they, um, it's it would be it's hard to tell sometimes like which works are large and which aren't. That's the only thing I I feel like I'm uh, missing out on uh, is the opportunity for like a viewer to actually really like step into that space because with the larger scale works, it's usually like to the scale of the person. but um, yeah, I don't. I think they translate fine online, and um, you know, I have like Instagram, and I have a really terrible website that my very good friend is urging me to take down. Like she today, she was like, "You have to take this down." <laughs> She's like, "Look at all your favorite artists, and go look to see if they even have a site." And they probably don't because they don't need one. I was like, "Whoa, that's like really." <laughs> that, I can't imagine not having a website, but um, yeah. Um, anyway, so I, 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 I'll, I'll probably maybe like at least beef it up, make it look a little nicer soon. But um, yeah, I think, you know, all, all the regular spots, you could probably see my work. Right. Yeah. I like that, you know, the idea of, you know, it's fine to see the work online. It's like, you know, it's great to see a band live and that's really how you experience the music, but we still listen to the radio. We still listen to CDs or, or, you know, Spotify or whatever. It's not like you, it's not the real thing, man. You can't listen to Zeppelin unless you see him live, you know? It's like you can still see the work online. Yes, it's. I, I mean, the the problem too for me with like I love live music, but I also am so exhausted when the night comes around that unless it's an early show, which very few places have anymore, I'm not going to see it. Other than that, it's all Spotify or or whatever. Well, it was great to talk to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs>